0: Early in the morning Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan, where they camped before crossing over. After three days the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. But keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits between you and the ark, do not go near it. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Joshua said to the priests, take up the ark of the covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went ahead of them Verse 14, so when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is in flood all during harvest, yet as soon as the priests who carried the Ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarathon while the water flowing down to the Sea of Arabah, that is, the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground, while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed crossing on dry ground. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, choose 12 men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you, and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of tribes of the Israelites, to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, What do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Well, we all have uh, big shifts in our life. We go from something to another thing. Big life changes. So getting married is a big life shift. Starting a career is a big change. Finishing a career and starting retirement. Uh, Of course, moving house. Don't we all love moving house? That's always a big shift. Now think of the Israelites. They had to carry all their stuff um, themselves, uh, that's a whole lot of gear that they had to shift. Um, but in all of, these, all of these shifts, all of these changes in life, there's a certain threshold, a line, something that marks the, the geographical even, or the spiritual, or the emotional shift. There's a threshold that marks the shift from how things were to how things will be. Uh, so we've got four things today from this passage about crossing a threshold and making a life shift. There's, there's probably more, but I'm going with four, and uh, I'll move. I'll move through pretty fast. If you do have a, a notepad and pen, you want to note them down. Feel free to have that. If you've got a Bible, uh, feel free to have that open to have a look at uh, Joshua, chapter three. Um, Uh, So, I'm going to move uh, pretty swiftly through these and, um, of course, you can always catch up on YouTube later. The beauty of YouTube, have you noticed this? On YouTube, if I'm talking too slowly for you, you can speed it up. (laughs) And if I'm talking too fast for you, you can slow it, you can change the speed on listening to someone. You can't do that in person, I'm sorry, Um, but uh, you can online. Anyway. We've just heard an amazing account in joshua's leadership of god's people they're about to enter the promised land the land flowing with milk and honey but they need to cross the river jordan a body of water needs to be crossed before they can get there there is no bridge there is no just walking across it is a in a way it's a problem there is a threshold for them to pass through um, it's a momentous occasion in God's story with His people, and uh, they were a people moving around in tents. They were a moving people, and they're about to become a settled people. They're really changing how they are as uh, God's people. Uh there is a um, i don't i don't know if you have experienced this yourself or you know of it or if this is new news to you but there is a tradition when a couple gets married that uh, on their wedding night the the groom the husband will pick up his bride and carry them, carry her, across the threshold, across the doorway. This, this is, there's this tradition. Uh, has anyone experienced that? Oh, no, you don't need to, oh, there's a few, you don't need to own up to that, but anyway. Uh, there is a tradition that um, uh, the, the husband carries his new wife across the threshold. So, a little tip. Um, if you haven't experienced that, but you might experience this at some point in the future. A little tip is check out your wedding night location first. Just do a little bit of reconnaissance beforehand. I didn't. And um, when we arrived there, we um, got our keys, and uh, we went and got out of the car and did all the things, and then then came to, A large flight of stairs, <laughs> and it wasn't quite clear where the threshold was, and so I had, you know. Anyway, just a just a tip: um, do some reconnaissance first. Anyway, a tradition of carrying uh, the groom carrying uh, a bride is actually a picture of a husband making a way through. It is what it what is meant to be is a picture of a, a an image of protection and provision, and that's the first thing I want you to see in this story that God goes first. He is doing this. He is being the protection, the protector, and he is providing a way through. Uh, God goes first. Uh, there's no bridges over the river jordan they have a whole lot of stuff to take across it's a problem uh it actually says in the scriptures there that the the river was in flood so it's not just a normal amount of water a whole lot of water there joshua has no way to fix this himself the only way would actually be to wait until a change of seasons or to go a huge distance around up and around Uh, but god wants them there And God is Israel's protector. He wants to do it this way. You might remember that he brought his people out of Egypt. And the occasion was marked by a miraculous crossing of the Red Sea. The waters were parted at the Red Sea and they went through. Uh, At that time, the Egyptians were chasing them down. Uh, The danger was actually behind them but God split the sea in front of them and then his presence stayed behind them, in between them and the Egyptians. God's presence was where the danger was. But in this case, actually, the danger is ahead of them for Joshua and God's people. The danger is ahead in the land that's promised to them because there's fortresses, there are battles that they need to fight, the danger is ahead and so God goes first. God's presence was right where the danger was. So, at the Jordan, the Ark of the Covenant is God's presence, Um, and uh, the priests carry the Covenant to the the Ark of the Covenant to the water's edge, and uh, and God goes in first. the uh, The waters are split, as we heard, and God stays there for them. Interestingly. The Ark of the Covenant stays in the middle. So God's presence goes in and, uh, and then doesn't go all the way through. God stays right there in the middle of the danger for them to pass through safely. What an incredible image, really, of God's direct and present care. Uh, He is not a distant God barking out orders to the unfortunate troops down below. He is there in the thick of it. God's presence was right there where the danger was. And actually, this becomes an eternal promise. If you go to Isaiah uh, 43, uh, this was written much later. It says there... When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. God promises to be there in the thick of it, with you, for you, protecting you. And then, of course, the Lord Jesus takes this promise and fulfills it, almost to the extreme, for you. This is not a distant story and a distant promise. Jesus takes this promise and applies it to death itself. Not just the temporary dangers, but to death itself. In the Bible, water is a symbol of chaos, destruction, and death. So are you worried about death and what is on the other side Well, the Easter story is that God goes first. Jesus died. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again to resurrection life. God goes first through death into life. And then Jesus declares to us disciples that I will be with you always to the very end of the age. So Christ the groom picks up and carries The church, the bride, and takes us through, that's you and me, through death. Uh, The second thing to notice is that God is an attention seeker. God is jealous for your attention. Uh, God here we see is wanting attention on actually Joshua. We hear his attention uh, attention needs to be on Joshua in uh, in chapter three, verse seven. It says, "Today I will begin to exalt you, Joshua, in the eyes of all Israel." Now, if we don't read the end of that sentence, we might think God is in the business of hero making that is trying to raise up particular heroes, Um, and that uh, we might even then be tempted to pray that, that God will exalt us and turn us into another Daniel or a King David or a Joshua. Now, of course, there's lots we should learn from these characters in the Bible, but how does that sentence end? God says, Today I will begin to exalt you, Joshua, in the eyes of all Israel, so that they may know that i god am with you as i was with moses so joshua is exalted as a leader so that everyone keeps seeking and following god's presence so leaders beware in fact everyone beware everyone who has some sort of position or role in life beware Your position has a purpose, and it's not about you. You have purpose, you have roles and responsibilities, but they're not about you. The real story is always about God. Don't just look at Joshua. The real story is always about God. God is an attention seeker, and he seeks it for himself. Uh, there was there was a time a little while ago where Erin um, and I had some kid-free time, and uh, it was a, a wonderful little luxury. And so we decided to go for a run together. Uh, at the time, Erin had been doing uh, lots of running, and I hadn't. Um, and so uh, I've I've now caught up a little bit. I've been uh, doing a, a fair bit of running. Thank you uh, for your help, Joe. Um, But I I had this idea of uh, being uh, jealous for Erin's attention and affection so that she would notice just how fit and strong her husband was. I was jealous for her attention. Um, It actually required a bit of effort (laughs) in the end. Uh, Strangely enough, the thing Erin was most impressed by, and here's my second hot tip for you today, marriage advice. Um, the thing she was most impressed by, in the drive on the way home, um, I wanted to stop at a public toilet because I, I needed to uh, go to the loo. She was most uh, impressed by my bladder control. <laughs> that I was able to do the whole run with a full bladder, and then, so that was that was how she was impressed. So any young couples who are thinking about dating, um, uh, yeah. You heard it first from Reverend Dewar's, bladder control is flexing. (laughs) Why am I telling you this? Uh, God genuinely wants you to know that he is impressive. He is impressive. He is powerful. He wants your attention. He wants to see, he wants you to be seeing what he is doing. You are meant to have experiences of God. And you are meant to feel, wow. You know, I am way out of my league for God. But for some reason, he is taking notice of me, and he is wanting me to notice him. Uh, The epitome of this is the way in which we read about the instructions that are given to the Israelites. Uh, In chapter 3... Only partial instructions, did you notice that? Only partial instructions are given to the priests and the Israelites. They're not told, they're not given the full manual. They're not given, say, build this Ikea thing. They're given like one or two pages, and then not the rest. They're given partial instructions. Uh, So they're told that the priests are meant to go and stand in the middle of the river with the Ark of the Covenant and the whole nation to cross over. That's all they're told. No further instruction. So you can imagine the priests st- standing in the middle of the river going, and now? What next? They haven't been told what to do. There's all this water. They're in limbo. At the, the, the start of chapter 4, uh, they are given further instructions. So if you had a distant God, then a distant God would need to give you the full instructions up front, would need to give you the entire booklet up front. But we don't have a distant God. He likes to give us partial instructions. Why? Because he wants us to keep listening, to stay in relationship with him, God, where's the rest of the Ikea instruction booklet, please? What do I do next? It helps us stay in relationship with him. Well, while they are in limbo, it says, the Lord said to Joshua, choose 12 men, and then we finally get the instruction for them to, to, the, the men to go back into the middle of the Jordan to get some stones, and then the priests with the Ark of the Covenant finally come all the way Across. God could have given all those instructions beforehand, but he chose not to. God draws attention to himself so that you know that he is with you. Have you lived through a miracle? Yeah. Have you witnessed an amazing work of God in your life? Yeah. Are you waiting for a miracle? Are you praying for another miracle? Is there a miracle unfolding for you right now? Well, remember that God is wanting to build trust through that. He's building relationship through that, not just trust in our great and powerful God who created the waters and can part the waters, not just the God who can work wonders from a distance, but the God who walks with us, who wants to be in dialogue with us. Oaktree, we are in a shifting season. Uh, there was a pandemic lockdown land, that's how things were. Now we are living with a virus and making personal choices. We're starting to make new decisions about what is most important for us to be doing now that uh, gatherings are normal. Well, maybe you feel like one of the priests standing in the middle of the riverbed and you're not sure what comes next. Maybe you're frustrated that there isn't a sense of clarity about all of what normal life should be. Maybe things feel like they're still in limbo. Maybe you see things for the future and you wanna race ahead. Maybe you wanna hurry things up, bring the future forward sooner, but you find that your feet are still muddy in the middle of the river. The point is, God draws attention to himself across the threshold. The third thing to notice is that this is a sacred but not superstitious moment. Have a look at how earthy this whole story is. It's physical, it's tactile, there is uh, feet touching water, there is dry ground, there are 12 stones and then they go on to celebrate the Passover and we have their unleavened bread and roasted grain from the new land. It is stuff that you can see and can feel and smell and taste. These are sacred objects in God's sacred story. Uh, there is a reason given for the 12 men to go and uh, get the stones. It says from uh, four, chapter 4 verse 5, each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites to serve as a sign among you. So they're symbolic, as a sign among you. They're representative for each of the tribes. goes on to say, in the future, when your children ask you What do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. So there's nothing special or magical or superstitious about these stones. They're just ordinary stones like all the other ones. What makes them significant is what they represent. They mark a milestone in the journey, and they help to tell the story through the generations. If you need help remembering, then tangible representative objects can be really helpful. Of course, don't set them up to worship them, like a shrine you never want to go down uh, the path of idolatry objects are not gods they have no power they are not worthy of worship only god is worthy of our adoration and praise and we look to him for his mighty power but objects can help us remember special occasions and events and the crossing of thresholds which leads me to the fourth point remember Uh, I don't know about you, but there's something about the last two years that uh, has done something strange to memory, (laughs) Uh, remembering things, things feel different when I experience them. Um, As normal life has resumed, I'm I'm still having moments of remembering old things, and they suddenly feel older than they should. Uh, I got to take my son to the MCG yesterday to watch a uh, football match. And uh, it was the first time in years where, oh yeah, I, I remember what it's like to hear an, a huge crowd roar. I, I, I remember some of the colorful language and uh, blocking my son's ears. Um, but it, it feels weird, like memory has, has shifted and changed. But in faith, we must remember what continues on, what is truly important. We also must remember what changes. Uh, For the Israelites, uh, they left behind the way that they ate. They changed how they were eating on the way through. So they left some things behind. The desert wandering is finished. And the new food of the land lies ahead. Always remember what season you are in. Remember the covenant we are a part of, the commitment and binding agreement that we have now with God through Jesus Christ. Remember you are not in a season of law, but of grace. Remember the amazing freedom we have in the Spirit. Remember that all things are permissible, but not all things are beneficial. Remember, wisdom comes from the Lord. Remember the special meal we call the Lord's Supper. That's true soul food. Remember your baptism, your own passing through the waters. Even if you can't recall the image of it in your mind, remember the reality of it happening. Remember, you are united in Christ with all the saints throughout all time. Remember, you are never alone. So, may God bless you with a tangible experience of his presence with you this week. Amen. Well, we get to come now to a very exciting part of our service, and uh, we heard about uh, the waters.